Welcome to the Heart of the Father podcast. We're glad you're here and able to listen in. We're praying the Lord will speak to your heart through this message and that you be transformed more and more into the image of Christ. Okay, open up to page 16. If I'm uh, being honest with you, this chapter has definitely put me in a wrestle. Before we get into this, facing doctrinal differences, I want to uh, preface it with an article that we're going to read together, or sorry, an excerpt we're going to read together from a book by um, my, uh, one of my favorite guys, uh, Francis Chan. He wrote a book called Until Unity, and he's talking about this issue of doctrinal differences, and so... This is going to help preface tonight a little bit. I'm going to go ahead and say you're probably not going to agree with or maybe like everything that we talk about tonight, but that's okay. If I can encourage you, don't, don't start reading it yet on your own. Read it together. If, if I can encourage you tonight, tonight will be really important for you and myself to think rightly, to use our brain, to use our mind, not our emotions. I think that's one of the pitfalls in talking about doctrine and the differences we have. We so easily get into emotions You know, I was looking up this passage, 2 Timothy chapter 3, where it says all scripture is given by God, by, given by inspiration of God. And the word inspiration, I was looking up this word inspiration, and it's really interesting. Uh, Miss Ellen would be proud of me. I was looking at the Noah Webster 1828 dictionary. And here's, what it, here's how this dictionary describe or define the word inspiration says it's the infusion of ideas into the mind by the Holy Spirit. It's the conveying into the minds of men certain ideas, notices, warnings by extraordinary or supernatural influence. It's the communication of the divine will to a man's understanding by suggestions or impressions on the mind. A lot of times when we are inspired or think someone is under the inspiration of God, we directly connect that to emotions. We think, oh man, my, I'm stirred in my emotions. But when you look at this definition, it says very little about emotions. It's talking about your mind. Meaning we need to think rightly and not get caught up in our emotions so quickly. And that even the word of God, God inspired men and they had to use their mind. It just wasn't emotions. So that's gonna be very important for us as we navigate tonight. So let's read this. Help us out, Francis Chan, okay? Chapter six, it survives with love. It's talking about unity in the church. He says, Is it possible to value theology, hate sin, and fight for unity? 
If so, we have very few examples of this. The people who want unity often have a can't we all just get along attitude that downplays the seriousness of good theology and a holy lifestyle. Since God commands all three, there must be a way to grow in our theology, holiness, and unity simultaneously. It might sound oversimplified and cheesy, but love is the answer. Our divisions usually aren't caused by a difference in theology, but a lack of relationship. Our problem is not our difference of opinion or interpretation, it's the shallowness of our love. Our love, if we can even call it that, is not born from rich theology that reminds us of the spiritual reality that we are one body. Most would affirm this truth, but we've never taken the time to meditate on it and internalize it. When you are deeply in love, division is unfathomable. I can't imagine a situation where it would be easier for me to leave my wife than to work through the issue. I love her too much. To distance from her would be devastating. In the church, we divide easily because we love shallowly. Not to belabor the point, but I can't imagine ever telling Lisa that it would be easier if I just took the three, three of the kids and started a new family. She in turn could keep the house, the four other kids, and just keep her family going. I know this happens all the time when love fades, and that's my point. In our case, after 27 years of marriage, our love has only grown deeper. Each year, it's more difficult to imagine being apart from her. Each year, I believe we are capable of surviving even greater conflicts together. Our arguments become tame over the years because we both value being together more than we value being right. Excellent. I read that at the beginning because before the night ends, I'm going, we're going to share a political statement issued by Hot FM concerning how we are going to navigate politics moving forward. So just go ahead and prep yourself for that. There's a quote on page 16. Francis Schaeffer, he says this, something very similar. In his years of experience in, in ministry, he says, I have observed one thing among true Christians in their differences in many countries. What divides and severs, severs true Christian groups and Christians? What leaves a bitterness that can last for 20, 30, 40, or 50 years in a son or daughter's memory it's not the issue of doctrine or belief that caused the differences in the first place. Invariably, it is the lack of love and the bitter things that are said by true Christians in the midst of differences. One of the things when we start talking about our doctrine is that we respond emotionally. 
that ends up driving the whole conversation and we keep saying, I feel, I feel, I feel. And we, we're not even under true inspiration which requires your, your mind, right thinking. And that's why usually we get in an argument and then after a couple of days, the emotions die down and we realize, man, that was stupid. What I said was not right. Because we get caught in the moment and we're just responding emotionally. And with doctrine, because we want to take the Bible, the whole counsel of God seriously, we have deep convictions, we have deep passions concerning God's word, this can almost make it even worse because now we can put thus saith the Lord or I can put thus saith the Lord on whatever I want and you can do the same and then what do we do with that? We'll find ourselves in trouble. Let's look at these other passages. 1 Corinthians chapter one, it's verse 10, not verse 11, what's marked there, but Paul says, now I plead with you brethren by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. That's challenging. That we should have a, a mind, a collective mind as a body that think the same thing, have the same judgments. I'm not even sure if I know what all that looks like. But I believe this is the route that God is taking us. It's John 17, right? Our, our example to follow is the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. The same oneness that's in the Godhead, it's the same oneness that should be in the body among you and I. If you have your Bible, open up to Philippians chapter two. Philippians 2, chapter, yeah, chapter 2, verse 1, he says, Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Verse 3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Isn't it true when we have conflict over doctrine, I'm, I begin to look for my own interests. I start protecting what I believe. You start protecting what you believe. You're not thinking about me, I'm not thinking about you, I'm thinking about what I believe. And I'm trying to protect that. And the word says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But to have a lowly mind. So that means if we have doctrinal differences, I need to leave some room that you may be right and I may be wrong. 
if I have the mindset that you are absolutely wrong and I'm always right, there can be very little relationship. I have to leave room. Brandon, you may be wrong. You, you don't see everything clearly and fully. God may be using this person to help bring an adjustment. You should be willing to listen and hear them out. John 17, Jesus says that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Our oneness is so crucial. The world is hanging in the balance. They're gonna look at us and see if we actually line up with the message we're preaching. So when it comes to doctrines here at Heart of the Father, this next section is going to help lay out a blueprint of how we will navigate some of our doctrinal differences. There's a brother named Justin Taylor Uh, He formed this, and I thought it was excellent. I thought it was really good, and it helps to put uh, certain doctrines in categories. Now, obviously, the whole Word of God is extremely important, and we want all of it, okay? This is not about excluding certain passages and not talking about this or that, but there is a level of importance on certain doctrines, on certain beliefs. And so if you look on page 17, Here are the four categories that he lists out. There are biblical absolutes, there are biblical convictions, there are biblical opinions, and then biblical questions. It's good to see you here, Benji. I didn't see you. What's going on? What's going on? Just saying what's up. All of us, we have absolutes, we have convictions, we have opinions, we have questions, right? Absolutes, okay, these are the things that define core beliefs. These are things that are essential. These are imperative. These are the most, I would say, the most important things, important beliefs and doctrines about our faith. Then we have convictions, okay? These are important as well. They're not core beliefs, but they do have, have significant impact on you and on the life of the church. They are necessary, they are meaningful. And then we have opinions. These are less clear issues. These are things that are not worth dividing over. These are more thoughts, these are more feelings. And then we have questions. These are things that are just unsettled. You have questions you don't know. Maybe the church overall has questions about certain things. Tonight, we're gonna focus primarily on numbers one, two, and three because that's where, that's where a lot of this stuff is, is located. So let's start defining this a little bit more. So let's look at some examples of biblical absolutes. I want to read this paragraph before I mention those examples. So the core doctrines in this category are doctrines that you must, you must believe if you want to be a Christian. 
Denial of any of these doctrines is denial of the God of the Bible and his Christ. In comparison to other categories, convictions and opinions, what someone does with these doctrines will have the most significant effect on their salvation and eternal resting place. Any church, Christian, or Christian leader who does not believe these core doctrines yet claims Christianity is in serious error, so much so that the word says that if they do not repent, then we are commanded to not have fellowship with them. Unifying on absolutes is essential. Does that make sense? Okay, so these are beliefs that as a church and even as an individual, you should have biblical absolutes. For example, the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, yet he is one. We are serving God whose name is Yahweh, not Buddha, not fill in the blank, okay? We're talking about the God of the Bible, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's a big deal. If someone's talking about some other God, then I would say they're not a Christian, and they would need to clarify really clearly which God they're talking about. Another example, Jesus, okay? Some people say Jesus is just a man, and they don't say he's the son of God. Okay, that's a huge issue. That's a big problem. Jesus is not just a man. He is the son of God. He's a man, and he is divine. Both and. So what someone says about Jesus is a really, really big deal. If you can't come to agreement with someone about who Jesus is, then they're probably not a Christian. Another one would be the word of God. I know there are some churches that they don't pass out, they don't believe in the Old Testament, they just pass out the New Testament. Okay, we need the whole word of God. It's infallible, it's inspired by God. It's just not thoughts and opinions and a couple of ideas. This came from God himself. These are, these are essential, these are absolute core beliefs that we should have. Another one, the gospel. We need to know what the gospel is. In Galatians, Paul says if someone's preaching another gospel, they're accursed, meaning they're damned. They're not going to heaven, they don't know Jesus. They're not preaching his message. So we need to know the message of the gospel. These are essential, would you agree with that? And there's others as well, but those would say, I would say are the core, the, the main ones, okay? Then we have convictions, okay? This is the category that will be the most challenging. This is where there's gonna be a lot of rub. This is why, this is, in this category, this is why we have so many denominations. So many denominations. So the doctrines in this category are doctrines that may not be fully agreed upon due to difference, different perspectives and points of emphasis. 
completely rejecting or overemphasizing these doctrines lead to difficulties in an individual's personal walk and church life relationships. Within a single community, some may not be as convinced as others on certain doctrines, which is okay. When a majority of an individual of, an, of individuals in a community hold to similar convictions, it will greatly enhance the unity and camaraderie within the church. Even so, it is possible to remain within a community who holds different convictions on some doctrines, but it takes wisdom, discretion, patience, and healthy communication in order to keep the unity of the spirit and brotherly love preeminent. Those who find that a majority of their convictions are completely different than their current leaders or church will find it challenging to remain there without being consistently frustrated or misunderstood. This doesn't mean one party is wrong and the other is right. In cases like this, it will take spiritual maturity and time to sift through the differences in order to determine the right course of action, which can include the following. Agreeing to disagree, finding a church with similar convictions, adjusting doctrinal stances. In this category, it is understandable and permissible for someone to depart their current church to define one with similar beliefs. The only requirement, which I believe is from the Lord, is for them to walk in the fruit of the Spirit, the whole process. Historically, it is from this category where most of our vicious divisions and church splits happen in new denominations form. So when we were talking about biblical absolutes, if I'm painting a picture for you, that's going to be the foundation of the house. And we start talking about biblical convictions, those are going to be the walls of the house. They're needed. We need convictions. Right? Usually our convictions rest in our values. So if you're reading the church vision, you're going to see our values. Those are where our convictions lie. You know, we believe in the operating of the Holy Spirit, what he wants to do, the gifts of the Spirit. We believe in that. And then what makes it somewhat a little more challenging is some, even within the gifts of the Spirit, there's some people who believe that we must operate in the Spirit and they want to force it every single time we meet together. Where it has to happen, if it doesn't happen, then it's all a fail. And then there are some over here who say, no, I believe in the gifts of the Spirit, and I'm okay if it doesn't happen in every service. We have to be okay with people having their convictions, right? So here at Heart of the Father, we believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We want the Holy Spirit to move and to have his way. You may disagree. You may say, I don't believe the gifts are for today. That's okay. You're still welcome here. But just know that that's what we believe. And so when you're around those things, you're going to have to maybe, you may want to step out of the room. You may just want to sit there and watch. Maybe just keep an open heart to see if it's real or not. But you can still be here. But if you come to find out that you don't agree on anything, so look, the return of Jesus. If you're like, hey, you, what do you guys believe? Well, I believe the opposite. Okay, the church structure. I believe there should be just one pastor here, not three. I don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I don't believe in election or whatever. I don't believe in that stuff. Whatever you guys believe, I'm the exact opposite. Then there's going to be some friction here, and it's going to take love and relationship just to talk these things out. A lot of love, a lot of relationship. 
we're willing to do that. And then if we, if we walk the process out and then you say, you know what, I just don't feel like this place is for me, that's okay. We bless you. We pray you find where God wants you to be. There are instances where people do divide over convictions. It's difficult. Here's the thing. It should never be easy to divide, to separate. It should never be easy. It should be gut-wrenching. It should be hard. There should be tears. There's going to be frustrations and difficulties. It should be. Why? Because if we're truly one, then if someone says, hey, man, I just can't, can't be there with you, that should make us sad. We should like, man, I, oh, man, I love you. I care about you. I, I, I understand what you're saying. I can't, I, I can't agree with that because I have convictions of my own, but okay, okay, we can, we can release you. But the trouble is, the next section, opinions. I think we divide mostly over opinions. I would think that most of us, before we get into opinions, I think when it comes to convictions, this is just a a thought I have, I think that most of us probably agree on things more than what we realize. I just think some of us have certain passions in a preference of order with certain passions. Like we wanna see more of this, and and we're like, yeah, we do, we wanna see more of that. We wanna see more healings, we wanna see more deliverances, we wanna see all those things, but I mean, what, can we just, we can't make it happen every single time. So I do think as a body, we probably agree more than what we realize, but we have a priority list. We wanna see some things more than others. Does that make sense? And when we don't see those things happen, we get frustrated, we get irritated. Oh, the church is doing a poor job and the church is this and that. And then once again, we're not even walking in the fruit of the spirit anymore. We're in the flesh, we're gossiping, we're creating division. Okay, that's not God. That is the work of the flesh. If we go back to page three and four, we can read through the works of the flesh and the works of the spirit. But that's what happens Unfortunately, which honestly can be frustrating, but we have patience with one another. Okay, opinions. How many of you love opinions? Okay, so if, if, if absolutes, if biblical absolutes, if that's the foundation, and then you have convictions, if convictions are the walls, then I would say opinions, that's the decor. I mean, I'm good with whatever decor we got in the house. Like, I, I'm not a guy that gets really too caught up in that stuff. But for some of us, even the decor, it's a maker. I remember Barry saying one time, he's like, be careful marrying someone who's passionate about everything. Because everything becomes a big deal. Everything. Like, how you put the toothpaste on, which way you put the toilet paper roll on the thing. Like, I mean, everything is just like a big deal. And it's like, oh, it's a lot. And I'm like, that's, that's very true. Cadence. Yeah, she's got opinions too, this girl. Her little, her little toot been coming out lately. She's just been screaming in the car, just in the flesh. But she is, she's amazing though. Tweety, 
Bye bye. Night night. She is a joy. Opinions. The decor of the house, right? This is the category that secretly divides us. There are just some things that are so petty, but they get in our crawl. It divides us, but we're not willing to say it out loud because we know how petty it is. True, you won't, you won't come to us and say, yeah, I'm leaving because of, of something really petty. The worship style. The way you preach, I don't like it. Okay, well, how about you preach? See how many like that. Because <laughs> you're gonna get fit, half people like it, half people don't. That's why we're on a rotation preaching. Half of you like me, half of you don't. That's okay. Half of you like Barry, half of you don't like Barry. <laughs> half of you like Dave, half of you don't like. It's okay. Those are your opinions. And I'm not gonna stand or fall on your opinions. And I hope you don't do that when I have opinions about you. I don't like your hairdo. I don't think your clothes match today. Is that an absolute? No, it's an opinion. Let's read this before we get off track here. Yeah, I don't want to keep giving out my opinions here. So, opinions. These are doctrines that you should seek to have an educated, informed, biblical belief about, but with the understanding that it's not worth fighting and dividing over. Disrupting the unity of the spirit over doctrines in this category are unfortunate circumstances. Because opinions are personal, remember, this, remember guys, we talked about our emotions. Here we are. Because it's personal, it's easy to feel as though they are deep-rooted, non-negotiable convictions and absolutes. It takes spiritual maturity to know the difference. Typically, the spiritually and emotionally immature believer, whether they're 15 or 60 years old, can confuse this category with others. Warning. An overemphasis in this category has the potential to lead to spiritual neglect on the weightier matters of the faith, which keeps an individual or a church biblically malnourished. Page 19, being in agreement over opinions is helpful in enhancing unity, but creating division over such opinions is a nuisance. Typically, those who leave churches, guys, this is so true, who leave churches over opinions will never be satisfied or find a true church family. Not until they start their own. If you got so many opinions about the church and this and that, you probably need to start your own. And I fear for you because if you've been sowing opinions and opinions in a church, guess what you're gonna reap in your own church. Opinions, 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 and it's gonna drive you up a wall. <laughs> I remember I, the previous church we came from down in Stewart, I repented to the pastor um, a couple years ago, a little over a year ago, because I realized I was new in ministry. He gave me my first chance in ministry, and I had these opinions about how I think the church should be ran. And I would tell him, and in the moment, I thought I was just being on fire for God. I was, you know, being a champion for God. There were opinions. I didn't know anything about ministry. And he had been in ministry like 20 years plus. So I repented to him. And I would encourage you, if you're, I would say this, if you're in your 20s and you've got a lot of opinions about church, 
I would just encourage you to kind of be quiet for a little bit. Maybe ask some of these older gentlemen in here, you know, what their experience was like and they can share with you a little bit. It'd be very wise to, you know, chill out on the opinions of things. But opinions, right? Worship style. Right? You know, I have an absolute conviction that we have the best worship leader here. Okay? That's not my opinion. That's an absolute for me. All right? So if you say something about the worship here, it's not going to go well. (laughs) The order of service, church decor. Honestly, God, that, that stuff just doesn't really get to me, but for some of you, it really does. I would encourage you to pray and just let it go. If it's a big, big deal for you, then come talk to us. And we'll, in all seriousness, come talk to us. But, but here's the thing. The reason we have these categories of absolutes, convictions, and opinions is that it's going to be helpful for you when you feel a rub, you feel confused, distraught, you feel frustrated with us. You need to sit back and think, okay, is this a biblical absolute? Is this a biblical conviction or is it just an opinion? And depending on which one it is, you should maybe get a little wisdom on how important or how you should navigate it. So a couple questions for you. I don't know if we should like raise hands or like do a vote right now on this next category. Which category do these belong to? I mean, we could just divide the whole church right now. Happy 13-year anniversary, church. <laughs> right? You're, so once saved, always saved. Deliverance, healing. Like what? It's absolutes. Are those based on convictions? Or are those just biblical opinions? I would say out of this category of things, and I actually added one to my list here that you don't have in yours, but I put drinking, so alcohol. But I would say out of this list here, there is one that I know for sure would fall under the category of absolutes. And that's the once saved, always saved. Because it's connected to salvation. If you don't understand salvation, whether you're saved or not, that's a big deal. That's huge. That's everything. That's essential. Everything else, I would say on this list, conviction, opinion. David Barry, what do you think? You probably should explain what you just said because a lot of people are scratching their heads right now thinking that you believe once they've always said. No. I would say, well, do we want to get into that? Probably not, but... What I'm saying, so here's what I'm saying. When we're talking about salvation, you need to know. You need to have a biblical understanding. Okay, I'm not going to give out my thoughts on once saved, always saved right now. But because it is connected to salvation, it's connected to Jesus and your eternal standing, then you need to know. You need to have understanding. If you don't, if you don't understand whether you're saved or not, then that, to me, that's... That's, that's not okay. We need to talk about it, which we can talk about it. 
<clears throat> I almost thought about doing like a panel with Dave Barry and I just going down this list and just throwing everything out there. So deliverance, right? There's this, can Christians have demons? Can, deliver, you know, do we need deliverance every week, once a week, every year? Healing, does God heal every time? No, he doesn't. Yes, he does. There are these convictions and thoughts about this house church. Do we meet in a big building or, you know, this building, the home? We can be, we can be all over the place about some of these things. Who you vote for. Oh, boy. I mean, I, what's interesting to me is that I think who you vote for is sometimes more important to people than the other in categories. I'm sure it's like people will call the church and be like, hey, tell me, tell me how you guys do politics. And I'm thinking, do they even, like, are they even curious if we like worship Jesus or not? <laughs> they don't ask that question. They just ask how you do politics. And I'm thinking, like, shouldn't the first question be if you're like visiting a church, like, hey, so do you guys like believe in Jesus? Like what? I mean, personally, that's what I would ask. <laughs> politics wouldn't be the first on the list. But for some people, that's an absolute for them. It is an absolute for them. How a church votes and what they believe about politics, it is an absolute for them. Dressing up for Halloween, Christmas trees. I mean, when we get, well, we get bent out of shape. And, you know, and these are the things that divide the church. They divide the church. And we're not talking about absolutes. So we're going to come back to this at the very end, and we're going to hit voting and politics here. We'll bring clarity on that one. Maybe in the near future we can bring clarity on once saved, always saved. <clears throat> so how should we handle doctrinal differences? Okay, this is an important statement by Alexander Strach. He says, we must not forget that there is a vast, guys, a vast difference between disagreeing with false teachers of the gospel who are not true believers and having theological disagreements with true believers in the family of God. Does that make sense? If we're talking with non-believers and we disagree, that's different. If we're talking with believers, that's a different thing. How we treat people, how we handle that is really important. So here are some guiding principles on how we want to handle doctrinal differences, okay? It's really important, I would say, if you are a stickler for the word of God, which you should be, I think number one, you need to develop a personal doctrine of Christian unity. We want to have rich theology, right, in everything. Let's get rich theology in unity and oneness. Because we're talking about believers here. We're talking about in the church. We're not talking about with the world. We're not called to be one with the world. We're called to be one with one another. And if you don't have a rich theology for the oneness and unity that we're called to walk in, then yes, every little thing will divide us. Everything. Number two. Okay, this is partly what this whole thing is about. Have the conversation. Preferably face to face. Emails, text messaging, those kinds of things, guys, it's really tricky. 
It's really, I mean, you could say the sweetest message ever and someone take it as rejection because they just see everything through a rejection lens. And no matter how nice you say it, it's gonna be received as rejection. And so when we're talking about things that are really important, I think it's a great idea to do it in person. Have the face-to-face conversation. Uh, number two, ask questions, right? Let, let the person clarify their stance. So some of you may think, man, I already disagree with Brandon on once saved, always saved. Well, do you even know my stance? So, chill, it's gonna be okay. We can still love each other and talk about it. Number four, if you disagree with someone, you should be able to (laughs) accurately describe what you actually disagree about. Like you should be able to not tell them where the disagreement lies. And then if someone asks you, you should be able to tell them where it lies. Versus like, oh, they're just wrong. And we, oh, they, they believe this weird thing. And we start painting a picture that's not true. It's really helpful in dialogue and conversation. Even sometimes we, we may uh, disagree on just nuances and, and verbiage. In certain words, I said a word you didn't like. Well, tell me that. Brandon, what do you mean by that word? Okay, and then I'll explain it. And you'll say, oh, okay, I thought you meant something else. And problem solved. Number five, humble yourself in prayer. Humble yourself in prayer. Someone once said, maybe it was Diane, I don't know, but she, she was saying, it was you, Bear, I don't know, but she said that, you know, get on your knees long enough to get some convictions and remain on your knees long enough to where you don't have to force your conviction on others. Walk in humility. Number six, use the Bible. Allow the word of God have the final say. Let's not get lost in opinions. Let's not get lost in, well, so this one pastor leader says this. Well, that's great he said that. Let's talk about what the word says. For some of us, all of our theology is built on what everyone else has said. I mean, you can tell me what what so-and-so said about this and that, especially when it comes to deliverance. I mean, there's a huge talk about that in the body of Christ. We know what everyone else believes and says about deliverance, but like, can you tell me your words? Your own words. Don't quote someone else. Quote the Bible. Quote your words. Number seven, walk in the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. We have to tether ourselves to the Holy Spirit as we walk through biblical conflict. Number eight, give people space to think for themselves and to be where they're at spiritually. This is where the manipulation and control come into play. Because someone thinks differently or you don't like what they think or you think they're so wrong, you start manipulating them, you're controlling, you're pressuring them, you're making them feel like an idiot, you're making them feel this big because you're so smart and strong. That's not godly. If, the, if, you, if you sense this brother is weaker than you and he's learning and growing, give him some space. I was reading Romans 15. Paul says, we then who are strong ought to bear with the weaknesses of those who are weak and not to please ourselves. Let us each please his neighbor for his good, 
leading to edification. Number nine, let's remember you probably have a lot of things you do agree upon. Number 10, let's not gossip about it. Number 11, let's choose to honor and care for one another. Okay. Okay, so let's keep it moving here because I want to get back to this political statement. I know you guys are so excited about. Okay, identifying false teachers within the body. Okay, we're talking about doctrine. Doctrine is important in the church. We want to have good, rich theology. So you may experience someone here at Heart of the Father where you feel like, uh, this person, I don't know. He might be a wolf in sheep's clothing. I don't know. What do I do about it? Well, this passage in Acts chapter 20, Paul says, take heed to yourselves and to the flock which the Holy Spirit made you overseers. He's talking to the elders in Ephesus. He says, to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in. Notice that phrase. They'll be out there, but they'll come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up. So not only will they come from out there, but they'll be in here and they'll rise up, maybe into some levels of leadership. They'll speak perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Okay, this phrase, to draw away. How do you know the difference between a wolf and someone who just is young in the faith and has bad theology? Draw away. Wolves have bad theology and they like to pull people to themselves. They want to draw the flock after themselves. Like come, hey, I, I know everything. Come here, come with me. Bad theology and they're drawing you away from the body of Christ. They're drawing you away from healthy, good leaders. Someone who has, a, has bad theology and they're young in the faith, they don't, they're, they're, they don't tend to draw people away. That's not their heart. That's not their desire. But notice that. Take note of people who are drawing people to themselves and have this, hey, I've, I'm starting this club where like I know all this stuff. Come, come be with me. Pastor doesn't know what he's talking about. Versus there's some people here who, you know, they're just trying to grow in their faith, don't know a lot of stuff, and we want to give room for that. It's okay. But if you, if you notice someone in this body and they, quote, have bad theology and you're like, okay, is they, are they a wolf or not or what's going on? Here's a couple helpful tips for you, okay? Number one, have proof of the messaging, of the teaches, of, of the teachings and the things that have been said, okay? Preferably more than just one example, okay? There are going to be times where even the elders say one thing that's off. Doesn't mean we're a false teacher, we're a wolf. No, it just means we said something that was off. That's okay. And if we do, please come say, hey, you said this. What do you mean by that? And then we'll, we'll talk it out and work it out. But if you notice someone is saying a lot of wrong things, like take, take note of it. Be steady. Number two, here we go. You get to go to them. Isn't that so great? Notice it doesn't say just pass it off to the elders and let them handle it. No, no. We want you to grow in maturity too. God, if you saw it and, and God's allowing you to be a part of the process, go to them and say, hey, brother, I've noticed you said this. Well, here's what the word says. And we, what, just, we just we bless you, we just release you to do that. 
If you need help, if you need some counsel, come to us and we can help you out. But we can't go chasing people and saying, hey, so -so someone told me that you said this and tell me what... No, that's, that's not what we're going to do here. We're, we're not the police officers where we have to investigate every little thing. So follow Matthew 18. And number three, if you've done that and they're not willing to repent and there's conflict and there's issue and it just cannot get resolved, well, by that time, hopefully the leadership will be involved. We will determine the course of action. And it just depends on if this person is a wolf or they just have bad theology and they're just kind of stubborn, you know, maybe someone in their 20s who's just, you know, have a lot of opinions and, you know, all that stuff. There are certain things we'll do, though. We'll confront and warn them. I I know, let me say this, I know you may think, well, leadership team, kick them out the church. Like, get rid of them. Guys, that's not the heart of Jesus, right? We want to have a plan of restoration, of reconciliation. Like we, we have to give that a chance and we want to give that a chance. We're not here just to kick people off the church because we want to. We wanna give them a chance. We want to confront them, warn them. We wanna sit them down from leading and serving in a ministry. We wanna invest in them. We wanna help them. If those things don't work, then yes, we warn others to vo- avoid them, which would lead to expelling them from the church, labeling them as a false teacher. A word about social media. Oh my goodness. Okay, so I get asked questions, you know, what do you think about so-and-so? And, and you know, I'm like, brother, I, I honestly, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have time to listen to all these sermons by this guy and this other guy and this guy and, and just watch sermon after sermon after sermon. So there's two pieces of advice that are biblical that I would give to you. The first one is to avoid them. If you feel like they're preaching false doctrine and it's not lining up with the word of God, stop listening to them. If you want to go on a hunt and just try to find where they live and and call them and call their ministry and do all that stuff, go for it. That's on you. And and God may give you that assignment to do that. But just because he gave you that assignment doesn't mean he gave me that assignment. Okay, I'll just say, I'll bless you, encourage you, I'll give you help or whatever. But... I would say mostly you probably should just stop listening to them. Just avoid them because you probably got other things in life to do. Maybe you have a family, maybe you got a job, maybe you got a calling. (laughs) But this idea where we have to find out all the people who are preaching the false stuff and, okay, I don't have time for that. What I do, I just avoid them. I don't give them my money. I don't like or comment on their stuff. I just, not my cup of tea, don't listen to them. Number two, instead of getting so worked up and so concerned and so frustrated and just upset about it, instead of doing that, channel your energy and preach the truth. So if someone is posting all these videos and it's heresy and you're so frustrated and irritated and you're like, oh, what do I do about it? I'm just gonna, I'm gonna comment on them and just bash them and call them a false teacher. No, no, don't do that. How about you start a live video and you preach the truth? Heck, I might get on there and say, amen, sister, amen, brother, preach it. But like you preach the truth. Okay, so let's look at this. Uh, you guys ready for this? 
Oh, y'all ready? Y'all ready? Okay, this is our statement as a eldership team, as a core team, our deacons and the staff. The deacons and the staff here have already seen this. They've already read this. We actually talked about this with them. They gave their feedback. They gave, they gave their absolutes. They gave their convictions. They gave their opinions. It was great. Okay, here we go. And so after we read this, um, I was gonna ask Dave and Barry to come on up and uh, we'll have a Q&A if you guys have any questions over any of this stuff tonight. Let's read this. So, Hot FM statement on the role of the church in politics. We believe that as Christ followers living in a representative constitutional republic, we have a God-given stewardship, everyone say stewardship, Stewardship. to vote in elections for the candidates that we believe will best further the purposes of God and benefit the people in our nation. We further affirm that God does call some individual Christians into politics and political activity for his purposes in society. Praise God. However, we firmly hold, here we go, we're stating our convictions here. We firmly hold that the church's message and mandate from Jesus are spiritual and not political in nature. Our command from Christ is to make disciples wholly devoted Christ followers. It's Matthew 28, verse 19. And to proclaim the gospel of repentance for, forgive, for the forgiveness of sins through Christ Jesus. When the church mixes the, the gospel with politics, the result can be closing off the whole, <clears throat> closing off the whole segments of society from hearing our true message. Church history, past and recent, has, has proven the folly, failure, and confusion of mixing our divine mandate with political agendas. As Martin Luther King Jr. eloquently stated, the church must be reminded that it is not the master or servant of the state, but rather the conscience of the state. It must be the guide and the critic of the state and never its tool. If the church does not recapture its prophetic zeal, it will become an irrelevant social club without moral or spiritual authority. Billy Graham, though he is known as, the, as a friend and pastor of the US, of U.S. presidents, made the same point. It would disturb me if there was a wedding between the religious fundamentalist, Bible-believing Christians, and the political right. The political hard right has no interest in religion except to manipulate it. With the view to being a faithful witness to Jesus Christ in our culture, Hot FM holds to the following principles with regard to political involvement. Number one, Hot FM encourages all Christians to vote in elections as good stewards. 
but we must put our trust in God alone, never in politicians, political parties, or political activity. Number two, since Christians are commanded to pray for their political leaders, whether they agree with their actions, policies, and decisions or not, we will faithfully pray for all of our leaders regardless of political party. You guys making it? Since Christians are commanded to honor their political leaders and submit to them to the degree that they do not command disobedience to God, we will not dishonor our leaders by our words or actions, whether we think they are doing a good job or not. That was number three. Turn over to the next side, number four. We believe that the church must, must speak as a prophetic voice concerning biblical moral issues, even if those issues have become politicized in society. For example, abortion, human sexuality, etc. Number five, as a church community, we may provide nonpartisan information on candidate positions to assist Christians in analyzing the issues. However, we will not endorse individual candidates or political parties or sponsor political events. And then you'll see a couple of videos you guys can check out on your own. So this is a statement that is available for public viewing. This is where we stand as a church concerning our conviction. Now, you may go to another church and they have a completely different conviction and they, you know, they, hold, they have voting polls in the church and they have rallies and they do all of these things. That's on them. We're not gonna get in a fight with them. We're not gonna be upset and angry with them. That's on them. Here we are. We're gonna focus on what God is calling us to do. One of the things that we believe is really important, it's in the second paragraph. And uh, Dave and Barry, you guys can um, weigh in as well. But it says, when the church mixes the gospel with politics, the results can be closing off whole segments of society from hearing our true message. This is, this is that's absolutely true and real. So generally speaking, when you look at the American church, if you go to a, white American church, they're usually going to vote Republican. If you go to a black African American church, they're usually going to vote Democrat. If we push a political agenda, the whole, we're already divided with whomever does not vote the way we vote. We've put a stumbling block, we've put a, a distraction in front of them from even hearing the real true message. We don't wanna do that. We want to focus on the absolutes. We're not afraid to state our convictions. We're not afraid to state who we vote for. We can talk about those things. We will, that's totally fine. But here's the thing, we do not want to prevent or be a stumbling block for, for anyone to hear the message of the gospel. 
The goal is not, oh, if you vote rightly, then, then you're a Christian. If you vote rightly, then God really loves you and you'll be saved. If you vote for the wrong person, you're going to hell. We just made something that's not an absolute in the Bible a huge absolute as a church. We're not going to do that. If you want to do that and you want that to be your absolute, then God bless you. Go for it. But to us, the main message, the most important message is the message of the gospel. You guys got any, any thoughts? Anything? You're doing, good. doing good? Great. Okay, we got any questions? Am I planning on reading this statement in, on a Sunday morning? Uh, I believe so. We talked about here soon we want to have a conversation about politics um, because <laughs> it's coming around. Aren't we all excited? But yeah, yeah. We, um, we're working on some website stuff as well and we'll post this along with some other things on the website as far as like documents like this. But yeah. And the reason I'm repeating your question is so they get it on the recording. Any other questions? Yes. Well, the first thing I would say, it's an absolute if it's connected to, directly connected to your eternal standing, whether you're going to be saved or not. Sure, yeah, I, I would say this. I think that if you have to, um, okay, let's take worship style, right? Which is an opinion. Someone could, you could connect that all the way to salvation if you wanted to, but you have to cross through a couple of hoops. Like worship style, well, okay, that song isn't really about Jesus, or is it? Okay, who wrote this song, and who, what's their, what's their life like? Okay, well, they don't know Jesus, so that song is not of the Lord, we're not worshiping the Lord. Who are we worshiping? Oh my gosh, I might be going to hell. This whole church is going to hell. <laughs> Look at me, hoops. I had, so yes, a lot of doctrine, it's going to be connected, but if you've got to cross through several hoops to get there, then I would say it's probably not an absolute. So 
So what would be close to the? Simplicity. Simplicity, sure. Sure, yeah. You guys got any thoughts on that, Dave Barry? You guys chime up here and jump up here whenever you want. You guys are the big guns. Okay, so, are we on? Sure we are. Okay, so, I was raised in a boarding school run by a denomination that felt that speaking in tongues was of the devil and that people that did it were demon-possessed. Raised as in beginning in fourth grade. Um, so I had to wrestle with this very young. I, I didn't make it to my 20s to have to wrestle with this. I've, I started much lower. So... Um, Let's fast forward. So several years ago, there were some guys that wanted to get together after church on Sunday and debate some issues. And they invited me. <laughs> well, I told them I wasn't going to go because it was going to be a waste of time because everybody was coming with their guns cocked and loaded. And they weren't willing to like really listen to another viewpoint. They're just there to ramrod theirs through. And I think that that's where we find ourselves in trouble is, you, you know, you have people who will label some minister, you know, a false prophet or whatever. They're going straight to judging and condemning. That's up to God. That's, and that's their first step. That's their first step. I don't think we should be doing that. Um, so I was raised with this denomination um, I didn't believe that. Um, I, w I was filled with the Spirit and spoke in tongues when I was, I think it was like 13. And probably they delayed that from happening to me because of their doctrine and because I lived with them and all of that kind of thing. Um, but th they, they want to judge and condemn and I don't think that we should be doing that. Where, where is humility in that? Where is grace in that? And, um, you know, I mean, after all, God is the judge. He knows it all. Let him do it. Let him do it. So it's fun to have these discussions. Um, and I'll usually pick the wrong side of the issue and just debate it just for fun. But meanwhile, they're all, you know, their temperature goes up and they're red in the face and all that. And I'm laughing under my skin because of it. Um, so I try to stay out of that. I just do it every once in a while just for fun. But um, I don't think that I don't think that we need to come down so hard. Um, can I go to another denominational service and receive from God? Oh, no, shame on you. You can't hear from God in another denomination. You can't hear from God. And talk about uh, worship style. Well, that's not my style. You can't hear from God. It may not be your style, but it's not the end of the world. Can you worship God in a different style? I mean, is it possible? I think we should. We should mature ourselves to where we can hear from God, learn from God, love God, build relationship with God and with others where we're not shooting at each other all the time. 
and trying to be debatable and, you know, and get into all this stuff and our way is the only way and all that. Listen, there's a bunch of stuff we don't know, a bunch of stuff we don't know. And God's the final judge. And so, uh, you know, yeah, we do. We have our convictions and we have our absolutes. I have mine, but they're mine. If you want to know what mine are, I can share them with you. But I don't share them with you to, you know, condemn you or judge you and you're going to hell if you don't believe like. No, no. We all have convictions and we should have them by the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a novel idea. Well, I just don't feel it. Well, get rid of your feeler and tune into the Holy Spirit and let him tell you, let him lead you. Because um, you do something that's against your conviction, you're going to have a problem with God. You will one day. So, so one of the things I want to mention is too, when it comes to our involvement with other churches here in Lakeland, we are going to focus on the absolutes. There is a pastor of a Baptist church that I know, and they don't actively operate in the gifts of the Spirit in their meetings and gatherings, but he loves Jesus. I believe he does. He is, I, I see the fruit of it. And I would go to their service. He'd probably come here, even though I have a conviction that I think they should be operating in the Spirit. But like, it's okay. We can do that here. And so when it comes to other churches, know that. This is where a lot of times we fail is that we don't focus on absolutes. We focus on convictions and opinions. So when it comes to our participation with other churches and other ministries, we're going to keep our eyes on the absolutes. So let me give you an example. He, he brought up churches. So when I go to the Philippines, I work like this with the Catholic Charismatic Church. Okay. I work with multiple churches. I don't focus on my differences with them. I focus on the unity with them. Okay. So we have service and we give the Catholics one night to do worship. Well, when they come in, they have Mary. They put the statue of Mary over here in the corner and light some candles. So there's pastors that won't come in the room because Mary's in the room. I go out there. Hey, are you coming in? Oh, no, we can't go. In. Why? Because Mary's in there. And so what? And these Catholics love God as much or more than you and I speak more in tongues than we do. Why are they in the remain in the Catholic Church? I have no clue. I'm not worried about it. That's between them and God. So I go in and I worship and Mary's over there. She didn't do a whole lot of moving. Or... <laughs> she, she's quiet. She's quiet. I'm not disrespecting her, but. It, it doesn't have the meaning that it does for other people, okay? But it's not the end of the world. Can I go in and worship God with Mary and candles over in the corner? Not center stage, over in the corner. So here's my question. What are you focusing on? Are you focusing on God or Mary? Amen. Uh, Wait, 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 let's go over here. You've, you've already asked, asked a question, so you're, you're out. <laughs> no, I'm joking. The question is really a recommendation, and a lot of y'all might already know of it. Tony Evans has a new book out called Kingdom 
Yeah, yeah, he's one of the videos on there as well. Yep. Okay, Joe, I guess we'll let you go. The question was, Barry, how many absolutes would you say well, there are? Well, the, the lines aren't going to be hard and fast for everybody on what's absolutes. I, I think the absolutes are who God is, what Jesus did at the cross, um, how, how we walk before him, you, you know, being in right relation with God. And like you're saying, there, there's the eternal issues are the most important issues as far as doctrine goes. Um, I have lots of convictions just over time I have lots of opinions too but here's the thing in in a body I believe this with all my heart and it took me a long time and a lot of butt whippings from the Lord uh, on my spiritual pride do you think you know so much and yeah he's kind of giving me the job treatment a few times <laughs> you actually suck you don't even know what you're talking about so that's a real Dave thing and I tell Barry that all the time too yeah they they're agents of the Holy Spirit so um no, no, the reality is, uh, if Paul can say, we see in part and know in part, how much more can we say that? Like, his revelation, let's all admit, was far above ours. <laughs> um, so I believe that in a body, the healthy way to navigate is, is in humility, recognizing, yeah, we have convictions, but also being willing to use the word of God as the final arbiter. And a lot of times disagreement, like Brandon said, is is points of emphasis. Somebody's passionate about something and that's everything and everything revolves around this one thing. Well, it really doesn't. But here's what I believe happens in a, in a church body. People that are passionate about things that irritate and chafe you is probably because the Lord is wanting to stretch you in that way. And, and your position is probably because he wants to help them to be humble about their opinion and not be so arrogant about it that they're right and you're wrong. And so in the body, sanctification happens in the context of our convictions and our opinions and those not being the most important thing, but love being the most important thing, Jesus and what he wants being the most important thing, obviously, but in our relationship with each other, the tension, I want to tell you this, I say it all the time, the tension will never go away because the Lord intended it to be that way. He intended there to be tension in our body between our opinions and our convictions about things. We're not talking about error. We're not talking about false teaching. We're talking about differences of opinion and conviction. Those differences will never go away because God ordained them for our sanctification, for our humility, and for our actually learning and owning what we believe. I'm all for it. I'm passionate about the wrestle. Let's do the wrestle. I mean, these guys will tell you, we get in situations and we talk about the most controversial things and just put it all out there. And, um, and it's I'm just usually, really healthy. I'm usually right and those guys are wrong. Yeah, yeah. 99.9% .9 pure right here. Um, but, but this is how we all grow and how we actually learn. You, you know, walking in love is actually learning. It's a process of learning. And humility is, is the doorway that comes into that. And so... The, we, we always want to get rid of the tension. We don't want there to be any tension. We, don't want, we want everybody to believe it, and that's not going to happen because the Lord doesn't want it to happen because he wants us actually. So the person who's passionate about their thing, and that's all they can talk about, and it has to be more of this. How come there's not more and more of this? I take that as from the Lord. You, yeah, you, you need to 
own some of that passion. Let some of that rub off and let that affect me and let that draw me into a deeper place in, into that. And, and for them, maybe, again, for the young, and I can speak because I have been young um, before, and I know the process about being passionate and how the Lord has corrected me on my spiritual pride so many times. Um, but, but the helpful thing is people have a perspective from me that is different, and it helps me actually to be humble and recognize that I don't really know everything, and I don't understand everything about any subject. And, and it's a healthy process. So we shouldn't want to just get rid of the tension. We don't want to talk about anything because if we believe anything different, then there's going to be a church split. No, no. If love is, is preeminent, that won't happen. And the tension and the passions are from the Lord. Not all of them. Um, but a lot of them are. And he wants to use it for our benefit to help us all to become better, for help us, to help us all to become better grounded, and to help us all to become more Christ-focused and help us all to learn how to walk in love with each other. If you only hang around people that have exactly the same passions as you, you're going to be a very unbalanced, unhealthy, and probably unfruitful Christian. So, so the tensions actually, I believe, the Lord has ordained them. I think in every healthy church those tensions exist, and we should just own them. And we should say, Lord, what are you drawing on me when that person is so passionate about something and it just chafes me and I just want to tell him, shut up. Just shut up. Then, Lord, what are you saying to me? Oh, I need to catch some of that. I need to catch some of that passion. I need some of that to rub off on me so that I can rise up and become more rounded myself instead of thinking that I have a very perfectly well-rounded. No, probably not. So it's for our good. And if we embrace it in love and make love preeminent, it's going to help us all be better. Yeah. So we, we invite you guys, we invite your passion and your convictions in. Um, we, like, we need that in order to, Ephesians 4 talks about, um, until we reach to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Right? The eldership team doesn't represent the fullness of Christ. No leader does, no leadership team does, but the body does. So when you have passions and desires and you see that we don't operate in them, it, it doesn't mean that we suck and, and we don't know what we're doing. No, it means that maybe you should come in a little closer and talk about it and let's look for an avenue to see that passion released. Right? But a lot of times we, we instantly, we're, we're in friction. They don't like me, they don't want me here, I gotta go somewhere else. Well, I mean, you can go somewhere else, fine. We're not trying to say you need to be here, but you're gonna run into the same problem at the next church. And so you actually need to step into the calling God has on you and release your conviction, your passion, things like that. Here's a word from the Lord. Wherever you go, there you are. So if you leave this because you're all frustrated here, when you go there, you're gonna be frustrated there too because there's gonna be people that have a different emphasis, but you're still gonna be there. So wherever you go, there you are. That's the problem. And so the Lord's trying to say, hey, it's not the circumstance and the surrounding and the other believers who don't see everything exactly the way you. It's, it's you. It's actually you. He's trying to mold and shape to learn to become a Christ-like person. It's beautiful. Amen. Amen. Okay. All right. So um, 822. You got, let's go one more question, Mac. Last one. 
So the question is, how do we work through, work with people who see everything as an absolute when some things are convictions and opinions? Well, sounds like a lot of fun. Um, I mean, it's going to take a lot of patience. I don't know if there's like a one, two, three step. Um, I think building a relationship with them, talking with them, hearing them out, hearing their story. Um, I think it would take time to gain their trust. And when you gain their trust, you lay out there to them, hey, I want to point something out to you. Maybe even say, hey, this guy, Justin Taylor, laid out some stuff. Because those are the people, honestly, I, in a sense, I kind of feel bad for because they probably don't have any friends. And they probably don't last in churches too long because everything has to be front and center every single day. And it's just like, this is not possible. So, I, I mean, maybe even point them to, to some emotional healing, inner healing type stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's a, a, a one, one route direction for them, but I would think build a relationship with them, be gracious, be patient with them. Um, that would be, be my, my advice for situations like that. I mean, I think it, it does. It takes maturity to be able to distinguish the absolutes, the convictions, and the opinions, and just to be okay with where people lie, with their convictions, with, with their opinions. Um, it takes a lot of grace. This is where it's, it is hard, though. That's why I said the convictions category, it is going to be the most difficult one to walk through. It is. And sometimes we've got to let people go because they they feel called elsewhere or because their conviction is so strong, you let them go. That's okay. I just personally, I just, when it's over opinions, I just think that's just not okay. It's not okay. We have to try to, in a good way, gentle way, fight for them, help them. Okay. Let me pray. If you got any other questions, you guys can come, come see us and we can talk these things through hope this thing hope this was helpful hopefully you're not leaving tonight more confused or unclear hopefully this is bringing some understanding to you bringing some clarity to you on how we want to handle doctrinal differences here at heart of the father father we thank you for this time together god i pray that anything that was not of you that you would bring clarity you would bring truth to that I pray, God, that as we go home tonight, we would humble ourselves, we would seek your face and confess that we do not know it all and that we're all still growing, but we want more of you, that we want the truth, we want the whole counsel of God. Lord, I pray for this church. I pray that we would be a community who is rich in Bible doctrine and also rich in unity, in Christian unity, Lord. Would you cause love even the quote from Francis Chan, would you God, God, would you cause love to flow and to rest in these relationships, to rest within this church, that love would bind us together even when there are differences. God, I thank you that you love your church. You love your people. You love us all the same. So help us to think higher and highly of our brother and sister to bless them, to encourage them, to champion them. And Lord, I pray that your, your word would be, um, would be our source, would be our source of truth. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. 
If you'd like to join us on a Sunday morning or other weekly gathering, know that you're more than welcome. And if you'd like other resources on or about this ministry, or for any deeper questions you may have, be sure to visit our website at hotfmlakeland.com.